Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, here we are back. Been uh, pretty, pretty busy these days, uh, a lot of things going on, but I'm very excited to have an opportunity to bring Brian Carney back on. He is the founder of Bone Frog, the premier OCR event on the Eastern Seaboard, and uh, the good news is he's moving this way and got an event coming up. Uh, Brian, is it uh, Austin, Texas, or very near? Where, where's the location there? Yeah, we're calling it Austin because that's the uh, closest city to it. It's actually in Burnett, Texas, which is just west of Austin. Um, but it's the closest to Austin is the biggest city. Excellent. So you're going to be in Austin, and that's happening in February. What's the date there? February 16th, so two weeks from Saturday. All right, two weeks from Saturday. You know, be, before we got on the phone, Brian and I were talking about uh, the need to accelerate an ambassador program for this part of the planet. He is so well-known on the East Coast for the magnificent work they're doing out there and the events that they put on that he doesn't need any help from me. But because I'm very interested in seeing these guys end up in California, i got to give them an edge up. So I, I offered to help him, and uh, I'm going to shoulder up some of the responsibilities to develop the ambassador program on this side of the planet. So you guys in Texas that are interested in participating in Bone Frog, and you know me, and if you got the juice, if you can help uh, promote this event out that way, I'd be happy to speak with you. You know how to get a hold of me. And I'm going to kick it off by just suggesting that Ronald Tortolo, you're the first guy. You are going to be an ambassador for us out there in Texas, coming out of Houston. I know you wanted to do this event anyway, and uh, I'm going to talk to you later, probably tomorrow, and we'll get this sorted out. But anyway, Brian, I want, I want to remind people, I want to give people the sense of what it is to participate in a bone frog event. Yeah. I mean, bone frog for anyone that doesn't know, we're the world's only Navy seal obstacle course race. We were, uh, we started in 2012. I was still, uh, in the seal teams in Afghanistan at the time when I started it. But the idea behind bone frog is, uh, we are seals. We're trying to replicate Navy seal style obstacles, the same kind of obstacles that we trained on for, for combat. Uh, trained on to stay healthy in the teams and whatnot, and then bring that to obstacle course racing. So if you've never run one, or if you already have and you didn't pick up on it, uh, what sets us apart from the other races is, you know, we don't have the slip and slides. We don't jump through fire. Basically, if we haven't done it in the SEAL teams, uh, you're probably not going to see it on our course. And we towed ourselves as kind of the most authentic military-style course in OCR. Um and I think a lot of the a lot of the races we've had over the years now uh, would would credit us with that. All right. So talk to me about uh, what you think is probably the most challenging obstacle that you have on your courses. It's hard to say because it's we design our course to go after everybody differently. Uh, meaning, you know, we have a lot of upper body strength obstacles that uh, obviously, if you're strong upper body, you're going to sail right through. 
at the same time, uh, we have obstacles like the dirty name or other races have called them um, like the belly buster and whatnot. That's the, one of the most authentic obstacles we have to the SEAL training we, um, we went through. So therefore, we still are one of the few that still have it in the uh, sport. But that obstacle right there is 100%, I'd say, or at least 98% mental. Um, the it, people look at it and they look at, they think it's high or it's dangerous or it's, uh, hard. It doesn't take almost any physical ability to get over it. it wait, wait, wait a minute. Is this the one that's got the logs that are, uh, yes. okay. So you got to like get up on the first log and you're going to dive onto the next log and that's why it's a belly buster, right? Yeah, it will. Yeah. Uh, we call it the dirty name in the SEAL team or the SEAL training because when you hit the log and it hits your chest or your belly, you kind of yell out a slur. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can literally stand on the first log, put your hands out and touch the second log, which is at your chest. It's uh, about three feet ahead of you and about chest level. All you have to do is if you can jump about a, a foot or two off the ground, then you can do this obstacles. All you jump is to that log and catch it at your hands. Stand up on that log, balance, and jump to the other one. And literally, I've, I've never seen in all my times in the military and now six years in obstacle course racing, I've never seen anyone have an issue getting onto the first log or the middle log, if you will, because it is, it's, it's easy. Uh, anyone can do it and no one's going to argue that no one can get on that log. Well, the I got to tell you, I was, uh, I was at New Jersey, uh, as you know, yeah. did a clinic with you guys last year. And one of my clients came out to do the event from California. And I stood with her while she was trying to navigate this thing. And I, I, I think that obviously there was some fear because uh, it looks kind of ominous. Yep. But she did what you suggested. She she popped up belly first onto the uh, was it the second log. Yep. And uh, it it knocked the wind out of her, and uh, she was fine. But I mean the the race the race was a, a little challenging for her because she was a little sore in the ribs after it. But um, yeah, it I, I agree with you. I think it, it's it looks probably scarier than it probably really is. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I mean, to my point of your question, yeah. it that is a mental obstacle uh, because the third log is no, uh, no different distance from the second log. And no one has problems down the second log. It's just because people psych themselves out and it's the mental obstacle and it's, it's higher, it's scarier, it's, you build it up in your head. And the reality of it is it's not. Um, the only thing is it's a little higher off the ground. It's eight feet off the ground as opposed to four feet. And, um, you know, so you, when you say, what is the hardest obstacle? It's, well, who are we talking about? Because if someone say is afraid of heights, then that one's a good one to be hard for those people. If it's someone that's, uh, you know, not good at up, uh, upper body strength or is a little weak in that department, then I can name other ones. Um, but in a general answer, uh, what kills a lot of people on our course is we have one that's called uh, get a grip. And it's really just, um, if you can picture, you know, hanging monkey rings, uh, and just going across rings, but ours aren't rings. They're, um, little about five inch bars and you grab onto these bars, but they, they turn you and spin you and people have a hard time uh, traversing that one. Um, but I mean, all of our obstacles are challenging. It's not supposed to be uh, defeating anyone, and we have no obstacles on there that 
we kind of hope people don't get through or we're trying to make them so hard that we think it's going to have a high failure rate. It's just it's the entire course um, combined. You know, when we when we plan out our courses, uh, when we put a lot of time into con- you know conceptualizing our obstacles, it's okay. So this one's going to you know try someone's upper body, and this one's going to be lower body, and this one's going to go uh, full body, and this one's going to be grip strength, and we have all these obstacles like those, and then when we set the course up, it's really uh, by grand design. It's not just we throw the obstacles on the course anywhere they go. We're, we try to match up obstacles so we're, it's not just hitting the same, say, body part over and over and over, five obstacles in a row. A lot of uh, thought process goes into exactly what's placed where and how you're going to be feeling at that exact moment. And, you know, you just got to the top of a hill and you're smoked because you just ran up a hill. You know, what are we going to place there? It's, everything's thought of. Now, remind me, uh, the um, there the courses are set up so that you can do the shorter distance. You could go a little longer. You can go even longer than that. And then you have what you call the endurance event. Help me out with this. Yeah, exactly. So um, the easiest way to understand it is we have two different distances. We have our sprint, which is our three miles and a little over 20 obstacles. And we have our challenge, which is six miles in a little over uh, 30 obstacles. The sprint does do three miles of the six miles, and uh, the six miles is its its own thing. Now, we also offer our tier one, which is nine miles, and you run the challenge first, and then you come back around and hit the sprint after. And then we also have the endurance for the people who want to you know, get as many miles in, as many obstacles in, in one day. And they run the challenge first, first thing in the morning, and then it's as how many sprint lapses you can accomplish by the time cutoff. It ends up being a little over eight hours, but um, the last official wave is at 2 p.m. As long as you step off with that 2, 2 p.m. wave, you can kind of stay out there as long as you need to. But we don't let anyone start after 2 just because of sun going down and you know people can stay out there for a long time. Um, so what what is the typical timeline for, com- well, I shouldn't say completion because you go as many times as you can, right? It starts at what time and finishes at what time? So the first wave is at 8.30. Okay. And the last wave is at 2. So those endurance racers, they'll all be in that uh, 8.30 wave, at least for the elites. Uh, open endurance starts at 8.45. And they knock out that six-mile challenge loop first. And then they can uh, either can stay, they can stay on the course all day long, just keep on knocking out sprint laps. But we have an endurance tent there for them, exclusive to those racers, where they can drop their own um, bags, buckets, what have you, so they can keep kind of refueling throughout the day. They have their own uh, private water uh, water station there to refuel hydration packs or just really load up. Um, and these guys are trying to knock out as many laps as possible. The first time we ever did it was uh, in New England at the ski resort where we hold our, our big New England race, uh, Berkshire East. And that was the first, like I said, the first time we ever did it. And um, the the prizes for the endurance is if you do one of uh, the sprint laps, you get a green uh, frog head pin to go on your lanyard to kind of just show that you've you know knocked out one lap. Two, three, and four, you get identical uh, frog pins. But if you do five laps, you get this coveted uh, gold frog pin. And everyone's going for this gold frog pin because it uh, really shows you know, how much 
how much you've done, if you will. And at our first race we ever did this one, like you said, in New England, uh, no one got uh, the gold frog pen. They only got the highest highest amount we had was three laps. And we were scratching our heads after that race and saying, you know, did we make it too hard? Um, is this is this unattainable? And we, we never want to do that. So we almost uh, changed things up before the next event. And the, the following event was our New Jersey race. And we said, well, let's just give it one more shot and, you know, give ourselves a, a good sounding board off of two different venues. And the next venue uh, was New Jersey. And we had six people get the um, gold frog pen. So it just shows you that it really is venue dependent, uh, ski mountains as opposed to right. parks and flat ground. And, you know, even times a year uh, play a play a good uh, role in it. You know, if it's cold out or hot out or extremely hot or yeah. that kind of stuff. So uh, Talladega is on the racetrack, right? So obviously. So I'm assuming that that's relatively, well, it is flat, right? Well, it's surprising. Um if you put us in a state park um, that's flat as can be, there's not a lot we can do with that. I mean, we we do our best, but you know, you're dealing with what you got. Talladega is a massive grandstand. Uh, you know, holds 180,000 people. So, as you can imagine, we utilize the uh, bleachers there, the you know, the stands, and they go up almost into the heavens. <laughs> uh, it's incredibly how, how high those go. And then we even push beyond it. So, uh, at Talladega, there's a lot of stair runs. And then even on top of the stairs, it goes up ladders up onto roofs on top of the, um, stands. And, you know, we get a lot of comments there of people saying, I really thought it was going to be a flat course. And yeah. I, would I say did not that, know that either. I, I, I did not know. It's like a huge stadium race, right? It's massive. It's absolutely massive. Um, you know, it, 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 and that's, that's just funny because we, we, like I said, we get a lot of people there that are just assuming we're going to have a flat race. They're going to have great times, uh, you know, finishing times. And then they get into the bleachers and it's a game changer. Well, I'll tell you something about Chris Mendoza. He doesn't care for heights at all. He told me that, uh, when he won world's toughest mother last year, the toughest part of the event was climbing up on those, uh, those cargo containers to, to jump in the water. It wasn't about jumping in the water. It was fear of falling off the back of these cargo containers because he's scared of heights. So he's going to be pleased to know that when he comes there that he gets to get up on a roof of a, a, a racetrack <laughs> stadium. <laughs> but that's well, good. Well, he won't be listening. He can just tell him it's flat as can be. So. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's calling people out, too. I think he's going he's gonna to challenge some people to see whether they can beat him on that course. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a good one to do it at, to be honest. Um, obviously, there's a massive race feel to that event, uh, more so than other uh, other venues. For anyone that hasn't been to Talladega before, you know, it's one of the most iconic uh, race venues in the country, hell of the world. And you show up and it's lined up with flags just driving in. And you got this huge stadium ahead of you. You just you know you're into something big. Even if you're just going there as a spectator, it's like, wow, this is really really impressive place and you know with the whole racetrack being in and around the uh the venue there with the stadium uh racers are in inside the field outside the field in the bleachers in the concourses you know i, I would say it's not a typical stadium race because when i've seen stadium races before it really is just the stadium and then you're on the infield right 
uh, with this venue, you're getting outside the stadium and they have a lot, a lot, a lot of land there. So you're in the rivers, <laughs> you're going through some mountains and people are saying, you know, I did not expect this at all. But as you can imagine for these NASCAR races, uh, they do, you know, parking miles away and you're running through those same parking places. I had uh, no and, idea. I had no idea. I thought, I, you know, I just it conjures up the idea that you're going to be on this this racetrack and it's going to be paved and you know you're just going to run around i had no idea that you're going to I mean, there's there's a there's definitely a good portion that you're on the track or you know in and around the track but um you know until you get there and you you see that course you're like oh my god i'm you know now I, i'm running the course i'm three miles into where we're not and i'm looking at the grandstand or the you know the track itself and it's it looks like it's miles away because that's how far away you are running through different obstacles and getting all the terrain there and uh talladega has has great terrain um surprisingly you know we didn't we didn't expect it ourselves but again with the woods and the rivers and the streams and uh they have some good elevation in uh, some mountains nearby there's a big quarry um we're utilizing all that and then we send them back into the track and yes they're in and around the infield but they're up in the bleachers and the grandstands and they're running good distances there. Tons of hills, uh, stair sprints. Um, and there's obstacles all in there too. So not, it's definitely not just a running track. Now the, uh, I'm assuming that the spectators are in the stadium. Yes. Yep. That's kind of cool. Get a, it nice, is. get a good look at what's going on as opposed to, you know, a lot of these races people leave and you don't see them again for a while, you know? No, it, it's cool. It's, um, they also turn on the um, grandstand speakers. So, you know, OCR racers have been to enough of these events to know what the standard is. And you got the DJ and music and maybe sometimes it's bands or a stage. Here, you're in a Talladega super speedway, 185,000 seats, and they have speakers throughout the entire place. And they're all playing the same music. Wow. So it's it's a big, big deal. Nice. So talk to me about Texas. Uh, I know you've been there before. What's that course look like? Well, I've never been to this venue before. Uh, we're at Reveille Peak Ranch. Spartan Race holds there. Uh, Austin Race there at the same venue. So anyone that's done the Spartan uh, at Reveille Peak Ranch, you've, you know, they've been doing that for years now. So uh, a lot of the same races will see that same venue. We're utilizing portions of what they've done, and then we're adding some new trails in there as well that should be unseen to any OCR racers. Uh, Rugged Maniac also goes there. The Leaf Train Race even went there. But regardless, the venue is a is a ranch, so it's right on a lake. There's really good elevation. You know, it's it's not right next to the city. So the last time we were in Texas, we were at uh, Circuit of the Americas, which is the only Formula One racetrack in the country, and um, you know that was, I guess, a little more a little more similar to what a Talladega race would be, which being at a racetrack and having all those same, you know, pieces, this is completely different. So for all the racers that uh, ran our Texas race back in 2017, I think they're going to get a whole new flavor of bone frog, which is a little more normal to our typical venues. You get the elevation, you get the, you know, you're outside, you get, we'll have water, uh, water obstacles. We'll have good trails, trail running the whole bit. So we're excited for it, but if you can picture a, a Texas ranch, it'll at least give you a good ballpark idea. 
Well, I, I've been to Austin, like I suggested to you earlier, I did three clinics in Austin over the last couple, three years. And I was just out there in December. I love Austin. It's just a great town, great restaurants. And uh, I think this time of year, it's uh, the weather's going to be pretty conducive. It's not going to be too crazy one way or the other. Uh, I think it's going to be a great event. So we're uh, looking at the weather now. It's going to be right now. It's averaging about 65 to 75 uh, every day. So the race is uh, a little over a little over two weeks away. We're expecting somewhere in the high 60s, uh, low 70s, which is, you know, as far as a February race goes, I don't know if you're going to beat that. No, that's excellent. Unless you come here. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which one day you will <laughs> one day if it's listen, if I have anything to do with it, you're going to have your events out here on the West Coast because we're, we're taking a step in that direction. I you know, know, I know you are. And, and I listen, I appreciate that you're being careful because clearly there's been people in this sport that have made mistakes that that had cost them. And uh, I think you're you know, you're doing what you need to do. Put out a great event. People enjoy your events. I've never, ever, ever had a bad word told me about your event. Most people that I talked to that have done them loved them. And they felt that the obstacles were challenging. They felt that the flavor of the event was was unique. And, and they never came away un, unsatisfied. So uh, I know, I'm telling you, people out here are dying to get, get you out here. And uh, hopefully with the push towards ambassadors and getting the word out and and uh, getting the participation up in your events out this way, that'll be the next move. Well, first, thank you. Uh, I appreciate all hearing that, but that's exactly the point. Um, we are you know, an organically grown company, and we're growing uh, as fast as possible, but while we're doing it smartly so we don't overextend ourselves or water down our quality. That's extremely, extremely important to us. Um, we would rather stick to less races high quality than overextend ourselves and drop that i just can't i can't stress that enough so we definitely have our eyes you know turned towards getting to the west coast it's just taking it one step at a time and you know over the last say six years uh we've been really skinning our teeth on the east coast and we have essentially the east coast completely blanketed now with our events and now's the time to start pushing west. So, how, how many events are you putting on in a year? Ten right now. Okay, and um, they start in, in uh, uh, up in your area, up in New England, and they start making their way all the way down to, I think you're as far south as uh, South Carolina. Uh, Atlanta, okay. uh, Atlanta, Georgia, where you have a, uh, you know, I guess I guess Atlanta is probably the farthest south one this year. Talladega is you know due west of there, but probably on the same plane and then uh obviously austin as well but yeah we're i mean we're from new england we're from uh western massachusetts that's where our home base is so looking at texas that's actually the furthest of uh, furthest uh, events we are we're putting on that are from us and what, what um, is uh tell me what like uh, i'm just trying to put this into context for your short course event what are you seeing is like some of the fastest times and i realize that it's generally going to be relative to the course and the way it's laid out and where it's located and such. But what are you seeing people finish like a, a three mile event in? About 47 minutes is around our fastest times. Wow. Uh, those are the first people coming across and you know, that could be one person and there could be a good 
15 minute draw to the next person sometimes. But um, we don't see a lot of competitive racers doing our sprint, uh, surprisingly. Years ago, we used to even have an elite class for the sprint and no one was signing up for it. Everyone, all the elites were signing up for the longer distances. And um, after about two years of not really seeing anyone sign up for the elite class for the sprint, we decided to scrap it. So now there's only a open option for the, uh, the sprint. And then we have elite classes for the challenge six mile, the tier one, nine mile and the endurance. What kind of finish times are you seeing for the tier one? Tier one is about 145. Okay. So that's, that's nine miles, averaging in all the different venues and whatnot. I was trying to get a gauge on the competitive nature of the course, comparing it to uh, a typical Spartan sprint race was what I was looking at. That's fresh in my mind. I just came away from one. And uh, VJ, who I coach, won that race. And I think it was like... It was well under 40 miles. I want to say like 32, 30-something 30, 30, 30 for the sprint. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at, I mean, I don't care whether elite or otherwise, if your fastest time is 47 minutes, it speaks to the complexity of the, of the event. I would have to believe that it's probably a little tougher to get through your course. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could be a little jaded towards this, but... I- we share a big market with Spartan, you know, a lot of a lot of cross traffic from the racers that run Spartan, run Bonefrogs and, and vice versa. And people tell us all the time that, you know, our course is significantly harder than theirs. And I'm not hopefully it doesn't offend anybody, but I'm not I mean, we, are, we are Navy SEALs. We are we're trying to replicate that same kind of stuff. And uh, to say that we have a we have a really hard course out there in the OCR industry, you know, there's pluses and minus to that. And it might turn away people that are, you know looking to get off the couch and do that, uh, do a race. Maybe we're not the ones for you. We try to be, that's what our sprint is meant to be. It's our sprints of three miles and it's the easiest of our distances, but by no means is it, is it truly easy? Well, I think that there's appeal to that. I mean, you got people that are doing all these races and maybe they're not getting challenged as well as it could be. Yeah. I mean, I see it all the time on social media. I mean, yeah. the, the, the day in, the world we live in right now, no one's not on social media, and I follow it just like anyone else. And I don't know how many times I've seen over the years people post things like, uh, "Hey, what's a good beginner race out there?" And I'm, I'm reading there. How did anyone post Bone Frog? And I've never once seen anyone post Bone Frog. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I, I, uh, you know, it, you know, it just speaks to the our course type thing, and you see it all the time. People are like, "Oh, try the Spartan Sprint, the Spartan Sprint, Spartan Sprint." I'm like, "We're not, we're not that incredibly different than the Spartan Sprint." I mean, it's a little bit harder, but. Anyways, is what it is. Well, you know, I think it's time for that, though. I mean, you know, it's like you get these people that have, like, done a, a thousand events with Spartan. And I think after a while, it gets a little blasé. You need to do something that's a little bit more, you know, you don't necessarily have to, you know, climb a mountain to make it work. Just do something that's a little bit more engaging. I use that yep. word, engaging, right? Absolutely. I mean, and one thing we haven't talked about that's, one of our biggest things for 2019 this year is the Bone Frog Trident. And it's uh, if you run our three different distances, which is our sprint, our challenge, and our tier one, if you run all three distances within either a single event or throughout the 2019 year, you get this Bone Frog Trident. And it's this really cool thing. If you haven't seen, you can go to our, our uh, site or our Facebook page and there's videos about it and you can, the thing's massive. Um, 
but it's catching good attention. And the, the whole idea behind it is to get people to try our different distances. So, you know, if you think you're not in the most ideal shape that you personally want to be in, uh, come and try the sprint and then do, you know, say, do that first. And then I almost guarantee you when you cross the finish line, you're going to say, I could have done more than that. And then you do the challenge after, and then finally you work up to it, whether by the end of the year or whatnot, and you do the tier one. And then, then you've seen, you know, all these different distances, what bone frog is. You, I think you'd be, say a subject matter expert on us and be like, yeah, I've done bone frog. I've done all their different distances. I know exactly what they're offering. And, um, surprisingly enough, uh, we have a ton of people just in Texas alone that are going for the Trident on the same exact day. Nice. I was a little skeptic if it was going to, you know, catch on whatnot, but we have over 40 people signed up for the Trident, um, in Texas, which means there are over 40 people right now. And like I said, we still have over two weeks. So we're seeing, you know, we're seeing good numbers come in. Probably we wouldn't be surprised if we're closer to 60 or even 70 on race day, but these people are going to try to knock out the sprint, the challenge and the tier one all in the same day. Nice. Uh, and that's in all of our events throughout the year, but the Trident isn't, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's meant for one way or the other, but, um, we thought it'd be a really appeal to someone to do the three different distance throughout the year and to see that many people trying to knock it out in one day. It's just, yeah. Give me a sense of what that would take time-wise to do all three in the same day. We're expecting somewhere around four hours. Uh, and that's, that's an aggressive four hours. I mean, that, you know, we're trying to add up all the different times to do the different distances. And then obviously consider the fact that, uh, you know, they're going to most likely be stopping between the different distances so they can, you know, refuel, rest for a second, whatnot, and go back out. Um, four hours is really, really aggressive, but we're, we're actually more concerned, I'd say, on what it's going to do to the end of the day. You know, we have that two o'clock last step off, but how many people are going to be out there come four or five o'clock is the real question. Because we haven't done this before, we're just guessing at it, to be honest. You know, you can take your typical sprint times, you can take your typical challenge and your typical tier one times, but um, we, we've, we've talked about this at length and we think four hours is going to be about the fastest anyone could do it. Love to see someone beat that quote, but uh, regardless, <laughs> just more so, hopefully people aren't out there till eight o'clock at night. Well, I could tell you that if I had you out here, I, I could fill it. I could fill it with people that want to try to challenge that. And I don't know, I can't speak for the entire country, but I know a lot of people in the Midwest and, uh, I don't know, is it considered the Midwest? How about Kansas? Where's that at? Is that, is that Midwest? Yeah. Is that kind, Midwest? Of, kind of, I don't know yeah. my geography, but I know a bunch of people in that area that would probably come down to Texas to get, get into this. And I, I would love to see people try to pop that Trident one day. You're going to be doing over 18 miles in the same day, which, you know, marathon runners don't balk at that, but you're going to be doing over a hundred obstacles. So, you know, none none of our courses are spot on done at three, you know, three miles probably ends up being closer to 3.2, 3.4 type thing. Same thing with our six mile or nine miles. So you add in, you know, it very well could be closer to 20 miles. And when you add in all the different obstacles, it could be around 110 obstacles and, that when you say it out loud and you really conceptualize what that looks like and the fact that, you know, we're not, we don't fall into the easy race category or the fun run category. 
it is it's definitely something <laughs> it's a it's a feat uh, if you can do it so cool. we have a lot of people signed up for it we'll see how many finishers we have yeah well i'm going to try to encourage some people i know to try that i'm excited for it you know brian you, you know i've got your back and I've, I've asked you to come on here simply because i want to try to keep it ripe i want people to be aware that you guys are absolutely a force in the industry and um uh, I'm really, really trying hard to get you out this way, but I know you're doing a hell of a job on the East Coast. We just got to get you moving out this way. I appreciate that, and that's that is definitely the plan. Yeah. Um, I, it's not even a plan; it's you know essentially a guarantee that we're we're already stepping in that direction. And uh, just you know, if you see us in uh, California soon, I wouldn't be too surprised. Well, it's got to be soon because I'm getting old, dude. Getting yeah. Old. <laughs> well, I mean. But, Modern day science and health things. Who knows? You could live to be 120. Yeah. Tell people how they can find you to register for these events. Of course. Uh, it's bonefrogchallenge.com. Uh, that's our website. You go right on there, uh, right across the top bar, it has uh, the events button. You click on the events and it'll show you all the events for 2019. Uh, they're all by, you know, Bonefrog Austin, Bonefrog New England, or so forth. You click on the individual one, and then in there, it'll speak to uh, the different distances. And you can uh, learn more and read up about them on our, you know, what, I know I'm only giving you a snapshot of what our different distances are, and maybe you retained some of it, maybe you didn't and missed it, but on the website, it should talk uh, well to what the different options are. But also more so, I'd say even more so than the website. If anyone has any questions, uh, reach out to us at contact at bonefrogchallenge.com. Just send us an email. We usually get back to you within minutes. Um, we don't let anything go longer than even a couple hours. So uh, I, we encourage questions, uh, concerns, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we'll even hop on the phone call with people and you know, tell them anything they need to know. Bonefrogchallenge.com or contact at bonefrogchallenge.com. Is that right? That's the email. Right. Uh, bonefrogchallenge.com okay. website. Contact at bonefrogchallenge.com is the email. Excellent. All right. Well, look, Brian, one of these days, if the moon and stars line up, maybe I'll do another clinic at one of your places. I love that. I love that. Our, uh, we our had a lot of fun. Race is pretty cool. Our, uh, I did, I'd encourage you to come down to our Virginia Beach race, too, because, um, you know, as Navy SEALs and who the races we are, we are and where we come from and the whole uh, premise of the entire event, uh, Virginia Beach is a huge Navy SEAL market. Um, you know, the SEALs are really only in Virginia Beach and uh, San Diego as the two main locations. And uh, if you're looking to do a Navy SEAL race this year, there's probably no better bone frog uh, market than the Virginia Beach race because you're really going to get that huge feel to it. So Nice. All right. Well, listen, uh, Brian, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. And uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not ruling out the potential of me showing up at one of your events to do another clinic like we did in New Jersey. Just name the date and location. We'll be there. Right. We'll make it happen. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.